As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. everyone. It is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. This is episode 80, and today we are talking about why keeping a clinical journal could be the most genius thing that you ever do. But before we get into that, I want to do a listener shout out to Upside Down 101, who simply writes, Amazing. I'm in my fourth semester, and I wish I would have found this earlier. So Upside Down 101, you're here now, and that's all that matters. So I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that all of you are here. So talking about a clinical journal, what is that, and how can it help you learn, progress, and be an even better nurse? So I don't know if you guys ever watched Grey's Anatomy, but I used to be way into Grey's Anatomy. And at one point, Meredith is reading her mother's clinical journals, basically. And, you know, they would inspire her and uh, encourage her to be an even better surgeon. So as a new nurse, I saw an episode where she was doing this. And I thought, that is a fantastic idea. I should keep a clinical journal. And as I would see situations occurring in the intensive care unit where I started as a brand new nurse, I would file them away with the idea that if I have a patient in a similar situation in the future, I'll have at least some background knowledge and a plan for what to do and how to approach it. Because honestly, when you're working in the clinical situation and you know that anything could happen one of the things that would give me the most anxiety, both as a student and as a nurse even now, is what if something happens and I don't know what to do? So learning from past experience, applying it to new situations is one way that you can really learn. Like you can take your clinical learning and it's exponential if you do this. So Doing that, I uh, my confidence really went up, and it provided a way for me to track my progression from that, you know, brand new. I would be sick to my stomach every day I walked into work. I'm not even kidding, like sick to my stomach with anxiety to, you know, a more competent nurse who can walk in to the unit knowing whatever kind of patient I get, I'm probably going to be able to handle it because I've learned and seen and and uh, taken care of a lot of different types of patients at this point. So in a job with a very steep learning curve, and I count nursing students in this, you know, as well, it, probably the biggest learning curve is when you're in school. There's so many opportunities to learn from your experiences that keeping a clinical journal is really going to help you. It can do that in so many ways. So let's break down some of the benefits here today. The first thing that it can help you do, and this is the biggest one, guys, is it can help you learn from past experience, just as I was saying. So 
as you learn from what happened, you learn how to react in the future. So for example, let's say you're a nursing student on a surgical floor and it's your second clinical day and you don't know what to do about any kind of emergency situation yet because you're just getting your feet under you. So let's say your patient suddenly drops their oxygen saturation level after the nurse gives him some IV Dilaudid. You can see his chest kind of moving up and down, but his oxygen level still decreases. So you watch as the nurse puts one hand in front of his nose, then tilts his head back and lifts his chin, and now you can hear the air movement going again, and his oxygen saturation level increases. So what the heck just happened? So some patients when given narcotics, some will just stop breathing altogether, which is even scarier. And some patients will collapse their airways, occlude their airways, especially when they're recovering from anesthesia. Anesthesia makes the airways floppy and the floppy is not a technical term, but you know what I mean, easily collapsible. And then, um, you give that IV narcotic on top of it and they've occluded. This is often in patients with obstructive sleep apnea, thick necks, bigger uh, folks with obesity. That's the kind of the template of a patient that you'll see that will do this, but anybody this could happen to. So the patient was still trying to take a breath in. You could see his chest kind of moving up, but you weren't hearing any airflow. So the nurse put her hand in front of the patient's nose to feel if there was any air movement. And when she noted that there wasn't any, she did a chin lift maneuver to open his airway. And that simple movement allowed the patient to start ventilating again, and the oxygen level went up. I would add that I would also, like stimulate the patient to get them to wake up. Uh, sternal rub does a great job of doing that because you don't want them sleeping so much that they occlude their airway, stop breathing, etc. So as you take this scenario and you want to learn from it because that was a good learning opportunity, right? Uh, you want to write this scenario in your journal and you want to reflect on a few different factors so that when you go back, you can really assimilate all the pieces together into an actionable plan for next time. So you want to reflect on what triggered the event, what assessments were done, what interventions were done, and how the patient responded. So if that to you sounds a lot like the nursing process, you are thinking very much like a nurse right now. So good job. So the next time you see a patient that has this happen that includes their airway, what are you going to do? Well, one of those things that you could try is a chin lift maneuver or a jaw thrust maneuver if, uh, if that's more appropriate for them. Imagine just feeling a little bit more confident when taking care of patients who might be at risk for airway obstruction, you'll know what you're going to do if something happens. And that would again, you know, like be your patient with obstructive sleep apnea who's on a PCA and giving themselves little doses of morphine or Dilaudid all the time. So as a student, as a working nurse, as a new nurse, as an experienced nurse, you don't have to be brand new to benefit from uh, a 
debriefing after clinical. It is, in my opinion, one of the most useful tools that you can use to help you grow from that novice nurse to that expert nurse that you want to be. So I've made it super easy for you guys. I've created a debrief form for you. If you go to my website and uh, put in your email address, I will email it to you and keep you up to date on all kinds of things happening over here at Straight A Nursing. And let's just go through real quick what's in that form because I want you to um, see how great it is. So you'll write um, just a brief overview of the patient, you know, patient with OSA, on PCA, had knee surgery, BMI of 40 or whatever, just kind of a brief overview so that you can Remember the patient and have a little picture in your head of who this guy is. And then the next section is, what problems did you see? So assessing and noticing are huge for being um, a competent nurse that can tell when her patient is declining. And sometimes the problems are going to be super obvious, like I saw his oxygen saturation level drop. I saw his chest move, but I didn't hear any air movement. So all the things that you see, you want to put here. Some things are much more subtle, and that's where your clinical experience will pay off. As you get more experience, you'll be able to notice more subtle signs. But in this scenario, the signs were pretty obvious. His oxygen level dropped, and he was not taking in any breath. So what questions did you ask? So that's the next session. So this is Thoughts that questions that kind of went through your head, questions you asked other clinicians, um, information that you got from the chart or any assessments that you conducted, like what data did you obtain? So um, in this case, you know, you put your hand in front of his nose and felt that there was no air movement. Um, you knew that he had obstructive sleep apnea, but if you didn't, you might have a high suspicion of uh, high index of suspicion for that now. Um, if you had more time, you know, you could do things like listen to lungs, all of that, but in an airway issue, you're not going to spend a lot of time with that. You've already identified the issue. There's no air movement, even though there is chest rise. So he's not ventilating. He's not moving air in and out. What actions were taken? So that's the next, next thing on the debrief form, what actions were taking? So in our example, the action taken was the nurse did a chin lift maneuver. Um, probably also maybe put on some oxygen. Sometimes uh, they don't need any additional oxygen. Maybe he was already on a little bit. Sometimes I'll throw some on just to get the sat up a little faster, depending on how low it dropped. But those could be things you'd write down in the actions taken to solve the problem section. And then who solved the problem? So that was the nurse. Um, in other situations, it's going to be um, the respiratory therapist that solves a problem or the speech pathologist that solves the problem or whoever it is, I want you to get used to knowing what other roles that members of the interdisciplinary team play. So what actions were taken to solve the problem and by whom? And then I want you to think about another scenario that has been similar. If you haven't had one yet, then don't worry about that. But as you go back and look through your debrief forms, you may be able to uh, attach other scenarios to it. But maybe you would think, oh yeah, I had that patient in first semester who was on a PCA and 
his oxygen levels were dropping and I didn't understand why. Well, you would put that down as this was a similar situation. And then the next section asks, how can you apply what you've learned to other similar scenarios? So you could write yourself a little action plan. When I see a patient with obstructive sleep apnea that's occluding his airway, I'm going to uh, try a chin lift maneuver or a jaw thrust maneuver to open their airway. Period. Done. Simple. And then I want you to reflect on things that went well. So maybe um, in your scenario, the things that went well was you noticed it right away. That's perfect. Um, Maybe things that went well was you got the right person in there to help right away. Um, Where did you feel less confidence would be the next section. Maybe you didn't know where the oxygen was in the room. So you did not feel confident finding it and getting that hooked up quickly. Maybe you didn't know how to do a chin lift maneuver correctly. Anything that made you feel less confident and uncertain in the moment, I promise you, you're going to remember those things. Write them down because the next step asks, what will you do to increase your confidence in this area? So when I was a student and a new nurse, one of the things that always made me a little anxious was not knowing where things were in the room. So first thing in the morning when I'm doing my patient assessment, I would do a quick room assessment. Okay, there's the oxygen, there's the suction. Yes, the suction's working. There's the code button. This is how to get the bed into CPR mode, you know, whatever emergent things that I felt like I might need to do, I would want to know where those things were. And then if you're not familiar with how to do a chin lift maneuver or a jaw thrust, YouTube, (laughs) just go to YouTube, find a video, um, and then practice as much as you can on patients where the opportunity presents itself. So those are the components of the clinical debrief form that I made for you. You may have other things that you think would be good to have in there, and that's perfect. But if you want something easy, go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com forward slash podcast 80 podcast eight zero all together and you can uh, put in your email and I will email it to you absolutely free and just because I love you guys okay so the next way a clinical journal can help you is it can really help you identify what your career goals are and track your progress toward them so one of the things that makes me kind of sad in my nursing career is talking to other nurses who feel like they've gotten stuck in a position or have no mobility and have no job options, which is absolutely not true at all. In nursing, there are a lot of opportunities out there, but they're not all just going to land in your lap. If you want to do, you know, a certain job or have a certain goal, you need to have a plan to get yourself there. So identifying your goals is absolutely the first step in attaining them. So um, when we're looking at just goals, we'll talk about career pathway here in a little bit. But let's say you just want to talk about your goals. Um Maybe you want to get really great at starting IVs and get really proficient at doing that on neonates because maybe one day you want to be on the IV therapy team. You want to be one of those uh, pick line nurses that comes and does all the pick line starts in the hospital. Maybe you want to learn how to manage a patient who's on ECMO because you really, you're really interested in um, 
being a nurse educator in a cardiovascular unit and you need to know about ECMO, or maybe you just want to be the rock star nurse that can take care of a complicated patient on ECMO, or maybe you want to get your chemotherapy certification. You work in um, med surge right now, but you really want to work oncology. So you're thinking if I can get my chemotherapy certification, I could get a job in oncology or at the infusion clinic. Think about what your goals are, and then you can track your progress. So Write out some goals, you know, uh, based on where you are now that will motivate you to continually improve your practice. So as students, okay, so you're a nursing student, you really maybe don't know where you want to work or what big goals you might have. Some typical goals might be I'm going to practice putting an NG tube on a patient today or this week or this semester or practice um, putting in Foley catheters or doing um, a wet to dry dressing change. I want to get comfortable doing a competent and thorough head-to-toe assessment. These are great, great goals for a student. Write down what they are and then identify the steps that you're going to take to achieving them so that you can um, see if you're making progress towards your goals. And then looking back and seeing how far you've progressed is really motivating and it helps you see that all of your hard work is absolutely paying off. Okay, another way that a clinical journal can really help you is it can help monitor how much satisfaction you're getting from your current position. So let's say you look back and you're just journaling, you know, you do your debrief form, that's one thing, and then you're just journaling in general. And you look back at six months of journal entries, and they all say, I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted my back hurts, a patient hit me again today in the ED, or whatever it is. Um, If all of your posts are about how frustrated, drained, exhausted, frustrated you are, maybe it's time to do something different. Like, you would be surprised at how many nurses will stay in an environment that is not good for them out of fear of change. Um, They like the people they work with sometimes. Um, There's a lot of different, they like the schedule. There's so many reasons why somebody might stay in a situation when really it's not the best thing for them. So when you go back and you see that, like written out month after month after month, and you think, wow, is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? You really get kind of more motivated to make a change if it's needed. So this applies to students too. Um, I know that you have a lot of stress with nursing school and a lot of your you know, entries, if you're journaling during school, might be about how exhausted and drained you are. That exhaustion hopefully ends when nursing school ends. I really hope so. But if if you're finding that you're disliking um, being in high, high critic critically, you know, critical areas like the ED or the ICU, it just makes you too anxious, then you probably know maybe that's not the place you want to work. If your journaling after you get home from Pete's clinical is more joyful and positive, maybe you need to look into working with kids, you know. So you can just kind of look back and see where you fit based on how you felt as you go along. So the next way a clinical journal can help you is it can help you develop solid communication strategies. So 
I talk a lot about effective communication in my course, Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, but I will say here that it is probably one of the most important skills that a nurse can have. So you have to speak up for your patients, you have to assert yourself often, um, and you have to do that in a professional manner. You have to work cohesively with a lot of different types of personalities, a lot of egos of various shapes and sizes. Um, a journal can really help you develop strategies, strategies rather for handling difficult situations such maybe you've got a coworker that talks down to you. Uh, maybe you've got a family member of your patient who is absolutely inconsolable with grief and you don't know what to say. Um, or you've got a patient that's engaging in manipulative behavior. It happens all the time. So even if you're not saying the right thing the first time, it allows you a place to um, reflect and think about how you should have responded so that the next time this happens, you can react in that professional, confident manner that you wished you'd had that first time around. So I find that writing it down in a journal helps me remember for the next time a situation comes up. And now when my patient is just overwrought with grief, I say something that is kind, professional, and genuine without feeling awkward or uncomfortable in that very high emotional uh, moment. So communication is key. A journal can absolutely help you develop those solid communication strategies. A journal can also help you manage work-related stress. Okay, shocker, right? We all know that journaling helps reduce stress. So it's a great way to um, just have this healthy outlet for your, your frustrations, your fears, your uncertainty, your worry, all, any challenging emotions that you may be feeling. And I guarantee you, as a nurse, you're going to have challenging emotions a lot. So... Um, Writing them down and getting them out is really key. It's also really important to talk about your feelings as well. Um, it's great to have a trusted friend, a trusted family member that you can speak very openly to. Sometimes it's helpful if that person is also a nurse because they get it. But it's also sometimes helpful to have someone to talk to who's not a nurse that you can just speak to as a you know person to person and get their input and their advice. Um, it's really important just to have that open, honest conversations um, with others and with yourself about your feelings because mental health is so very important and I want you to be a well-adjusted nurse and you can be, even in highly stressful environments, you can still do that. You just take some inner reflection and some work and some openness and vulnerability. So a journal can also help you stay focused on your why. So um, I talk about this a lot in my Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, the why. So I talk about what my why is and how you can develop your own why. And this is important because nursing is demanding and really emotionally difficult and oftentimes very frustrating and very physically hard. I mean, it's not an easy job to do. And it can be easy to get frustrated, burned out. Lots of nurses are, you know, exhausted and drained and there's a lot of factors for that. It's very multifactorial. But one um, one way that you can stay engaged is by really just thinking about what factors motivate you and recharge your batteries when you're running on empty. So what drives you to be a great nurse? Are you just crazy passionate about critical care? Um, knowing your why, if that's your why, that you just love complex critical care, then, you know, I have always found that learning more 
makes me more engaged at work. So maybe you need to go to a conference or subscribe to a journal like um, the AACN journal or go for your CCRN, something like that can just that can just keep motivating you. Um, what is your role? What do you perceive your role to be as the nurse? Um, that could be, you know, I am the comforter of the sick. I am the advocate. I am the uh, coordinator of care. Whatever your role is, and nurses are all of those things, but one of those things you're going to like more than the others, and you can just focus your positive feelings around that. Um, what difference do you want to make for your patients? Thinking about that can help re-energize your why. Maybe it's that it helps your family because you've got this great job that allows you some flexibility and some career mobility. Maybe that's your why. So when you answer things like this, questions like this, you you realize often that nursing is more than just, I want to help people. You may find that you have a much deeper why at play, and that can really help keep you engaged and keep you plugged into a job that is often very difficult and taking what feels like it's taking more than it's giving. So um, that is another great reason why journaling can help. And then the last thing we touched on this earlier when we talked about goals, let's talk about bigger goals and like career pathway goals. A journal can help you really define what those things are. So maybe you want to be the director of your unit or a unit, or you want to be a teacher, or you want to explore options beyond the bedside. Maybe you'd love to work in um, community health or for an insurance company uh, doing uh, claims or whatever. I, I don't know exactly what nurses do at insurance companies, but I know they do things because my neighbor was telling me about it as a job because he thought I might be interested in that. Um, but anyway, there's lots of options out there for nurses. So do you want to be a specialty nurse like a WOCN? Do you want to be a diabetic educator? Whatever that pathway goal may be, you're only going to get there if you create a roadmap and a plan. So this might require going back to school and getting an advanced degree. You need to have a plan for how this is going to fit into your life. If you need to attain more skills, what are those skills? Where will you get them? Where will you pay for them? Will your employer help you pay for it? All kinds of different questions that you want to ask yourself and map out your plan, your roadmap to define that career pathway. So that, you know, 15 years from now or 10 years from now or 30 years from now, you're not saying, wow, I've been doing this job for so long, I can't do anything else. That is absolutely not true. You just have to have a plan to get there. So I hope all of those tips and ideas help you see the value of a clinical journal and debriefing. So check that out. Go to straightynursingstudent.com forward slash podcast eight zero to get the clinical debrief form that I made for you guys. And then I wanted to just remind you that the 2020 nursing student planners are available and you can find those again at straightynursingstudent.com and then click on planners. And you'll go right to the place to get those. And then also I have the study guides, the Med Surge Success Pack. And one gal was kind enough to write me and let me know that there were a few little typos here and there. So I've corrected all of those. And I apologize sincerely to anyone who noticed those. And if it was driving you bonkers, trust me, it's driving me more bonkers than it's driving you. But they've been fixed. Um, so um, go check out the study guides. If you bought one in the past, 
through my website, you'll automatically have gotten an update for that. Um, and if you bought one off Etsy, email me and I'll send you the updated one. Happy to do that. But the study guides cover core concepts, topics for med surge. There's 10 of them in the success pack. It's a whole bundle. It's like 94 pages of notes um, for like respiratory, GI, diabetes, cardiovascular, et cetera, et cetera. So you can actually go and get the cardiovascular one for free off my website as a way to see how amazing they are. So if you go to straightanursingstudent.com and you click on study guides, I believe it's pretty easy to find. It'll take you to that. And if you want to try one for free, that's the cardiovascular one. Or if you want to just go all in and get the whole pack, it is there for you as well. So let's see what we're going to be talking about next week, guys. Next week, we're going to be talking about mental health, and the topic will be schizophrenia, which is a fascinating and complex mental health topic. So I will see you back here next week to talk about that. Thanks so much, and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.